Hello everyone and welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS uh, religion. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs. I moved out of that community when I was 18 years old. And I was raised LDS and Sam and I have been married for almost eight years and yeah. had two beautiful babies. Yep, time flies. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to share today five things that make you a good polygamist. Ooh. Ooh. Give you all the secrets. This is no encouragement to go and try to become one, yeah. but it is a way to know what was required to be considered a good one. Exactly. And when I say, when we say polygamous, we're referring to the FLDS religion because I know that there are other polygamous groups out there that yes. live completely different. <laughs> yes, so, than what they did. Exactly. And also, when we say polygamist, we do understand that I never was a polygamist. I never practiced polygamy, I guess you could say. Yeah. But I grew up in a polygamous family. And uh, we would even joke to each other when we were out and about outside of the community. If we saw someone else, we would say, oh, hey, it's a polygamist. You know, so it was just something that made us stand out and so different from those around us so we would can we would consider ourselves polygamists yeah we've had that question before people are like he never practiced polygamy and we're like no but he was part of a polygamous yeah. family he did have four mothers in the home um for his life so yes. he definitely still that's why we call him a polygamist or that he came from polygamy yes. and that, not anymore yeah <laughs> and that he knows how to be a good polygamist because he was a polygamist boy. yes so so the, we're going to talk about the top five things that would make you a good member of the FLDS community or a good polygamist. Yeah. So number one would be definitely obey the prophet. So that would definitely be the number one. And that's just, I mean, I know that uh, people living out there would probably say, no, we would put Christ, Jesus Christ uh, first and he was number one. But it didn't seem that way. It seemed like the prophet was number one and everyone looked to this man as this is the person that knows everything. This is who we follow. Well, and they believe that um, a prophet means that he is a prophet, seer, revelator, and the mm -hmm. mouthpiece for God. True. So meaning that a lot of times, you know, with the Bible or things that... Um, the ways that we hear of Jesus Christ's words, you know, people can say, well, you know, Christ didn't actually write that down. Or they can make an argument for interpreting what Christ said. Um, yep. And for members of the FLDS church, like, no, it was however the prophet interpreted what Christ said. And then even more importantly, you know, that is a direct link between God and people yep. is the prophet himself. Yep. So the mouthpiece of God is always going to trump whatever any scripture says, because that could have been, you know, interpreted incorrectly <laughs> or translated yeah. incorrectly. You know, there's always a room for error, but yes. according to Warren Jeffs, there is no error between him and God. <laughs> of so, course. Yeah. So they would, all the members, the followers of Warren Jeffs would consider that uh, following Warren Jeffs was also following God because they assumed that it was the exact same thing in their mind. Uh, but, I mean, even some of the songs were giving praises to the prophet and to Warren Jeffs, you know. And so it definitely seemed like it was a lot based around following this man. Yeah. Yeah. So obey the prophet would be number, number one, one, definitely. Number two would be kind of hand in hand with that, keep sweet. So I know that you, a lot of you have probably heard of this phrase. It's a very common phrase used out there in the FLDS community. Uh, but it's definitely something that was used all the time. I mean, 
we're talking even some of the mothers would use it when, for example, I would be riding my bike and I would crash and bump my head really hard or something and I would want to say a bad word and my mother would say, remember Samuels, keep sweet, you know, so definitely something that we use all the time. Fun fact, his entire family, they didn't believe in using nicknames. True. So it's yep. always cute. Anybody and a lot of his siblings, because of the fact that they all grew up that, like they'll still call each other. Like whenever I hear someone call him Samuel, I'm like, oh, that's one of his biological <laughs> yeah. siblings. Because... Somebody that grew up with me when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So super funny fact. But keeping sweet too, whenever I hear it, I'd say the main things that come to my mind is like mm -hmm. keeping in line and obedience. Yeah. And it was used a lot towards women mm -hmm. it's true. um you know they'd say oh keep sweet keep sweet like all the things that you should do um making sure yeah. that you do those and that you don't ever do anything you're not supposed to be like oh don't get a temper don't be jealous of mm -hmm. the other wives um don't talk back to father don't go against father's rules don't go against the prophet's rules make sure you're following Jessica like all these things um, you know, in the FLDS, there's a very long list of shoulds yes. and what you were supposed to be doing. And so keeping sweet was a way of just basically saying, like, stay in line. Stay yep. doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know what you're supposed to be doing. A simple way to say it would be obey no matter what and be happy about it, darn it. <laughs> That's kind of what it was all about. No matter, Put a smile no on matter, your face about it. No matter what you were, no matter what was asked of you to do. No matter if it came from the father of the house or the prophet, they wanted you to just set aside your fears, set aside your sadness, if that's what it was, and just obey and figure out how to be happy about it. Yeah. So. Which you can imagine would be something that was that would be necessary <laughs> if there were more than one wife, you know? Because, I mean, it's definitely something that even out there in the FLDS community, some wives would get jealous and that type of thing. I mean... We were all still human. Yep. Yeah, so, so they had to be reminded all the time to keep sweet. <laughs> yes. So number three, another very, very important one would be no dating or no any type of relationship with the opposite sex uh, from one family to another. Just there was none of that allowed. So and uh, primarily the number one reason for that was because all marriages, all relationships were arranged and determined by the prophet. Yes, and in other videos, Sam's talked about like past prophets, you know, there would be times where people could like suggest or kind of ask for mm -hmm. a specific person to be married. Um, Warren Jeffs is super power hungry, and so that stopped <laughs> with him. So, yeah. I mean, Warren Jeffs has been their prophet for a very long time yeah. at this point, and been yeah. in control for a very long time, and so, um, that was never an option. And basically anytime someone would date or try to have relationships outside of who he wanted, he was losing some type of control over everybody's yes. lives. Yep. And so. it was, it was so important that any of these people that got caught, let, let's say one, uh, a boy from one family and a girl from another family get together, they have some type of relationship and they would get kicked out. If not the, if not the girl, the boy would get kicked out of the community for, for doing that. It was a big, big no, no. Yeah, so. so that's definitely, in order to be a good polygamist or a good FLDS <laughs> member, definitely no cannot be dating, dating or trying to reach out to members nope. of the opposite sex. That was a huge, huge no-no. <laughs> number four. Yes, and number four would be dress code. So for any of you that have lived or been in southern Utah for a long extended period of time, you probably you probably know what I'm talking about that the FLDS members have a very distinct way of dressing. 
and it's all it all comes down to modesty. They feel that it is only you're only being modest if you are covered from collarbone to wrist to ankles at all times during the day, during the night. Yes, and I mean this is for all ages. Um even their mm -hmm. infants, they yeah, put in dresses all the way down to, you know, like little girls or little boys. They still have all the way to their um, collars, all the way down to their wrists, and all mm -hmm. the way down to their ankles. Yep. Does not matter the temperature, does not matter anything. Like, that is still um, how it is for everyone. And we actually had a question okay. that someone had posted on one of our previous like videos questions. about pajamas. Yes. So, I mean, during the day, girls have to wear prairie dresses mm -hmm. um, and be completely covered. And then the men had to wear, you know, long pants and buttoned up shirts with collars. With a collar, yep. So, that was typical during the day. Um, but what about pajamas? And yes, buttoned up shirts with collars, even in construction in 118 degree weather. Yes, <laughs> at all times. And yes, if you're swimming, the same thing. You could not take off your clothes to go swimming. It and was... no rolling up your sleeves either. That was a sign of rebellion if you did that, yeah. right? I was, I was a little rebellious sometimes out there working. It just it got too hot and we'd roll up our sleeves. But, um, but we, we like, weren't supposed to. Yeah, it was considered a sign. Like it was actually something yeah. that was told, like, don't do yeah. that. Yep, it's true. But back to pajamas. So, <laughs> uh, so the women would basically wear a more casual dress for pajamas. It was still something that would cover all the way down to their ankles. And it was basically just a very simple dress is what it looked like. So just a long nightgown? Basically a nightgown, Was yes. it comfy material or was it like the same? You probably don't know. Situation. I would have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to ask my sister-in-law. It looked comfy. let you guys all know. Call you guys back. I'm going to call you back. Yeah, it, it looked comfy, you know, sure. It's probably more comfortable than what I was wearing for pajamas. But uh, no, but for the, for the guys, it was a very traditional long sleeve, long, uh, long uh, I guess, pants, but it was very comfortable material. A lot of the times we would wear the ones that have like the button down top with the mm -hmm. collar, if you know what I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, exactly those pajamas, the, the more of a, like a silky feel to it, a little yeah. more comfortable. But yeah, so it was even during the nighttime, even in your own family, you know, it was something that we were always covered. The only time we would take our clothes off is if we were going to a shower. And that was something that we would go dressed to the shower. And when we left the bathroom, we were completely dressed once again. I was going to so. ask, were you guys allowed to see each other in your pajamas? In our pajamas? I mean, yeah, like I know that you were like completely covered, but it wasn't considered like... Oh, yeah, no. You could see your sisters in their pajamas. Oh, yeah, once you're in your pajamas, then free, then it's all good. Yeah, free range, free roaming. Okay, just curious. <laughs> I mean... Whenever there's like questions like that, I'm like, who knows? It sounds like it may be a weird thing if they mm -hmm. couldn't, but I want to put it past them. So, I mean, because the pajamas were also so modest, you yeah. know, it was, but I don't think that we, it would have been frowned to, it, it would have been frowned upon to walk out of your house in pajamas. Okay. But around the family, in the house, it was no problem. Okay. Good to know. Yep. Okay. So, so dress code, very, very important. And number five would be tithing yes so paying your tithing to the church uh and also i guess hand in hand with that would be hard work yeah because in addition to um so for instance like in the lds church that i grew up in mm -hmm. you would pay it 10 percent of your income and yeah. um to the church but tithing for the flds looked a little different yes. because you guys actually had like your work kind of tithed as well right mm, kind of i mean like it was just the, expected the, yes i mean there was there was 
time and work that was supposed to be given to the church, basically, but also money. There, but money wasn't really a percentage that you gave to the church. Mm-hmm. It was more of a a calling that would, in some church meetings, a leader of the church would stand up and say, "All men at a certain age and above, turn in, for example, two thousand dollars to the church." And all the men in that age range would give $2,000 to the church. So it was more like a calling. Like, all right, we're going to call everyone up to pay tithing. So did you guys like have to have like a separate like savings ready for whenever they called? Or did everyone just kind of scrape up money when it came up? Or So I believe most men that were in that age would try to save some aside just so that they would have it available if they were called upon to pay that tithing. What was the biggest calling that you ever personally saw? Well, I know that it went well beyond this, but that I personally saw was $2,000. Okay. So that's that's the largest I ever saw. But I was never in that age group to be able to pay that because uh, I, I left right as I turned 18. So for me, it was more of a the money that I made, I was supposed to give a certain amount of my money to my father. Uh, so, he, so it was... I guess money to help around the house, to help the family. A lot of people have had this question, how in the world did one man provide for such a big family? Well, it wasn't really, by the time it was such a big family, there were a lot of older boys, a lot of older men that were- A lot of people working. Exactly, so we were all working and and turning in some of that money to help around the house. Gotcha, good. So those are your five things that you need to be a good polygamist, good member of the FLDS is number one obey the prophet keeping sweet which basically continuing to obey obey and obey oh yeah (laughs) obey the dating rules obey the dress code and give money and your time to the church so again this is not encouragement to go join the flds (laughs) and uh, try to participate in these directly i have we have received a message or two or three of people asking how how to join the flds church uh, for those of you that are wondering that, I have no idea. So I'm sorry I can't be of any help here. But no, and we would not recommend it. So <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't recommend it. But uh, for those of you that are interested, I, I I wouldn't know at this point. I'm so far out of it. Uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't give me the time of day to talk about that type of thing. So. Yeah, and we wouldn't anyway. So, <laughs> but if you want to hear more about what it was like for Sam growing up in polygamy, please like and subscribe. Yes. And we'll talk to y'all soon. We will talk to you soon.